Welcome to Modern Motherhood, where you're required to be everything to everyone all the time. We wouldn't have it any other way, but let's be honest, it's hard work. So let's talk about it, all of it, in the raw with no filter. Come and be a fly on the wall as you listen in on a chat between friends as each week welcomes a new guest and a new topic to delve deeper around the ins and outs of not only motherhood, but life in general. The ups, the downs, the struggles, the highlights, the reality. Because the reality is, you're not alone. We're all in this together. You're listening to Mummy Republic. Welcome to the whirlwind. Hello, lovely, and welcome back to another episode of the Mummy Republic podcast. I'm your host, Danny, and I cannot wait to get in today's conversation because it is a little bit different, but I know that you're going to love it. But before I do, I want to give a quick shout out to username willsmum88 for leaving a beautiful five-star review and comment for me over on the iTunes podcast app. She says, refreshing. Love, love, love this podcast. Not only is Danny super relatable, but the content each week is interesting and relevant. So many different topics covered. It's just so lovely to listen to women being real, talking about real issues. The highs, the lows, everything. My fave podcast to listen to when I get that one hour off a week to do the food shopping. Ha ha. Oh, thank you so much, lovely. That is so beautiful of you to take time out of your day to leave such an amazing review for me. I really appreciate it. If you would like to do the same or if you haven't done so already, make sure that you jump onto the iTunes podcast app, leave me a rating and a review so you can let other listeners know what they're in for and help the podcast to be seen. And if you haven't done so already, make sure you click on that subscribe button so that you don't miss a thing. Now, today's episode is a little bit different to the normal guests that you would hear on the podcast, but I know that you are going to get such value out of this conversation and it was an absolute delight having it. We're about to delve into the world of surrogacy, but we're going to do it from the perspective of a same-sex couple. So, let's get into it, shall we? Today's daddy, yep, you heard that one right, guys, is one half of the beautiful pair that created the Instagram page, Real Dads of Brisbane, and shared their journey of surrogacy that brought them their beautiful little girl, Isabel. Welcome to the amazing Mark Davidson. How are you? I'm doing well, and yourself? I'm good. I'm so excited to have you here. I'm excited to be here and share our journey about surrogacy. I know, I know. And look, there's heaps of stuff that we can talk about today, and I'm really excited to delve into it. But Everyone loves a love story mm-hmm. and you recently got married to your beautiful partner, Damien. Yep. So why don't you tell us a bit about that? How did you guys meet? So we met through mutual friends here in Brisbane. Damien's actually originally from Ireland. Um, I have a thing for Irish men. And so when don't I was, we all? <laughs> someone set us up, we went on a blind date. Um, he took me to my favorite Japanese restaurant and then to Wicked afterwards because he thought if I could sit through Wicked, I was definitely the one for him. And <laughs> I didn't fall asleep. He's a mad fan of the Wicked musical. And from then on, even our first date, we were talking about kids. So I just knew he was the right one for me. Oh, that's so beautiful. So how long did you date before you started to go, he's actually the one for me? It was almost instant. 
Yeah. It was instant. You just knew. We just had the same family values. We just loved our family the same way. We loved pets the same way. Everything was just like, I think I could raise a family with this person. Because I, was, I was, got to the point where I was like, oh, mid-30s. I might have to do this by myself. Yeah. Um, and then Damien walked into my life and I was like, yeah, this is the one. So you'd always wanted kids? Always wanted kids. Yeah. Yeah, always wanted kids. It was just a matter of how do you do it. And, of course. And that's probably the hardest thing for a lot of people is where do you start? Yeah, absolutely. It's such a huge decision in itself, but then the things that ravel on from that is definitely a minefield. Uh, So how did you get started? We actually went to a conference in Brisbane Mm -hmm. um, through, they used to be called, I can't actually remember the name of it. Sorry. It's okay. <laughs> I've um, the conference called Families Through Surrogacy. Um, they're an Australian not-for-profit organisation. Mm-hmm. And they held a conference here in Brisbane. We turned up not knowing what to expect. Um, we thought it would just be full of gay couples, but it was actually a lot of heterosexual people there. There was actually oh. more heterosexual people than gay couples at the surrogacy conference. Um, and it really opened our eyes to fertility issues that people have mm-hmm. um, and the limited options people had in Australia through surrogacy. So that's where it all started probably around June 2016 at the, our first conference. And how long have you been together then? We started dating in April 2015. Oh, lo- well, when you know, you know. Yeah, that's right. And so what were next steps from there? What did that look like? Next steps from there. So we started, we met with um, a few agencies from Canada, agencies from the US, um, some people from the UK. When we say agencies, these are all, they're almost like brokers for surrogacy services. Mm-hmm. Um, there was people from the Ukraine, Greece, all international companies and uh, that's when we started talking to people and finding our feet around the whole surrogacy process. It was complex. Australia's laws are quite backwards. Mm-hmm. Um, so we chose to go with America in the end because it was commercial, very straightforward. You have a lot of say in what your journey's like. So you can say, yep, you want contact with a surrogate, no contact with a surrogate, or you can have full friendly relationship. Whereas in Australia, it's very what the surrogate wants. Ah, interesting. Yeah. So what's the application process like? It's quite intense. So for you, so you put on a pro, so the agency works as a broker. Um, you go through their database and you can look at people's um, medical history, their grandparents' medical history, their parents, their wow. siblings. So you get a lot of information about the surrogate. And also we got an egg donor from the US as well. Okay. Um, so we went through an egg donor database, which is kind of fun. It's a bit like, tinder where you first of all you just see a, a photo and then you're like yeah like look at that one no i don't like look at that one and then you choose the photos and you go into their medical profile and see how many eggs they have or journeys they've done in the past wow. so it's it's really intense and it can be quite overwhelming at times for people do you swipe on an app or no you just <laughs> click and you go yes no yes no so it's kind of fun it's like a catalogue yeah. um, and one of the egg donor agencies explained to us it's like walking into a nightclub you just don't really know what you're going to get of course absolutely I love that you can you can actually look at that level of detail though that's huge yeah it's, it's a lot so you even get psych reports you get everything wow. and and that was one of the really important things for us to go through the US because it, they've been doing it for such a long time mm. um, you got the details that you really wanted to know, you actually get more details than meeting someone in a nightclub. Oh, definitely. Yeah. And you're probably a lot more sober at the time. Exactly. <laughs> um, so how did you choose? 
We... we, Our egg donor was actually our 13th egg donor that we selected. Um, So even though people might be on the database, they might be registered with a number of agencies. So they might already be doing a journey and just haven't updated your agency. This is for the egg donor. Um, So we... We, one egg donor we got right to the very end to the legal part and for some reason she backed out last minute so okay. what we Damien and I were like well, we're spending all this money what do we want I wanted height he wanted brains and so you really have to communicate with each other on what's important yeah. um, as, as superficial as it sounds you know it's it's your opportunity to, to almost design your own baby yeah and I know a lot of people get put off by that and um, we're just thankful. For, now we have Isabel. We're just even thankful to have a child. Of course, yeah. but but that's the process, right? You're being yeah. forced to pick and choose off all this criteria. Yeah. Why wouldn't you pick what what you desire? Exactly. And we were fortunate enough to find an egg donor that was African American heritage and Puerto Rican heritage. Um, so Izzy's a nice little dark color and, and she's curly hair gorgeous. and yeah. yeah she's a bold personality we, we put that down to the puerto rican you know <laughs> she's got a little fire in her belly very fiery <laughs> and with the surrogates we signed up with a agency in la called same love surrogacy and they're actually a boutique agency that it's um gay dads that set up their own surrogacy agency so they had been through the journey themselves um and once again you get a catalog and you just go through and you you look at if they've done surrogacy before, if they're prepared to work with gay couples, if they're prepared to have twins and all these sort of factors that you just don't even think about until it's yeah. put in front of you. And you're making all these life decisions at a drop of a hat. But um, From a catalogue. From a catalogue. Yeah. We were fortunate enough, we actually flew to America to meet our surrogate before okay. we started the journey. Um, and that was important to her as well. And it was important to us because we wanted to know who we were working with. Yeah. When you select a surrogate, mm-hmm. what goes into that that's different from an egg? Um, so for us, we wanted someone that's been a surrogate before. Mm-hmm. Um, we wanted someone that would let us have a bit of our own journey, but also guide us at the same time because it was our first time doing this. We didn't want someone that wanted to tell us what school Isabel would go to, um, how to raise Isabel, what religion Isabel would be. And so these are the conversations that you have to have with a surrogate, even to the point of if there's something wrong with the pregnancy, you have to talk about termination and Mm. if there's all these sort of factors. And they're quite hard conversations that you just... And that's why for us it was important to meet her so we knew that we could communicate what we wanted and also what she wanted was really important as well. Definitely. Do you still have contact with her? We do, we Aww. do. Um, she has her own life and but we still keep in contact. Isabel and our surrogate actually share a birthday. Oh, um, how beautiful. It is, it's just amazing. And so we, we keep in contact with her a lot. Um, she never asks us for photos or anything like that, but we, we just send them to her. And How can you not? Exactly. You know, <laughs> without her, we wouldn't have Isabel. So. Yeah. And how was the pregnancy? Pregnancy was great until 29 weeks. Okay. And then we had a premature rupture. <gasps> um, so the surrogate was on bed rest for five weeks after that, and they induced labor at 34 weeks. Wow. So we're, we're in Australia. She was in California. Um for this five weeks and we're like when do we come and the doctors are saying hold off hold off but when she first had a premature rupture they um they said within seven days she potentially would go into labor yeah um so that just sent us into this whole 
spin of just craziness and um i was lucky to work with a midwife at the time it just my day-to-day job and she explained what a premature rupture was and would talk me through these constant updates from the doctors and oh. it was just so lucky to have that support for us here definitely especially when you're so disconnected yeah. you know you're on the other side of the world was everything okay because obviously premature birth that comes with its own complications yeah so she was born at 34 weeks um she ended up in four five pounds 14 ounces so Okay. reasonable healthy weight yep. she was in intensive care for 10 days because she didn't want to eat which is quite common with preemie babies just getting yeah. them used to eating um she, yeah she was she thrived and we went and spent a lot of time in the wineries over these 10 days in the states <laughs> um we're paying ten thousand dollars a day for hospitals so we thought we'd take advantage of it oh um so yeah when you do surrogacy internationally make sure you have the right insurance which we did so we um, thankful that we went through an agency that organised that for us to cover us for these incidences. Oh, that's a huge tip because obviously it's under their health system. Yeah. And from a monetary perspective, mm-hmm. anyway, I imagine it would be quite expensive. So we estimate about 150000 to 170000 in total. Wow. For the whole process. So we've still got six embryos yep. in America, which you can use at any time. Um, so that the second time around, it will be a reduced cost, but initially that's our upfront cost for one child. Gosh. So you get a discount for the second. You get a discount, <laughs> yeah. That's just incredible. And, you know, we often talk about the cost of IVF and, and different methods here in Australia for heterosexual couples trying to fall pregnant. But comparing the two, that's, that's so significant. It is significant. And, um, through our surrogacy journey, I've been lucky enough to talk at a couple of conferences and heard other people's journeys. And some people have gone to Mexico and started, and then Mexico, the government shut down surrogacy, and they went to Thailand, and then the government shut down surrogacy oh. in Thailand. And this this lady went to four different countries and has embryos stuck in four countries. And and this is why I really want to get the message out around surrogacy: is make sure you you. You do your homework and yes, it's expensive to go through America, it's expensive to go through Canada, but you really need to safeguard yourself because mm. it can go wrong. There's, um, there's no guarantee yet that you get a baby and this poor lady, she's got four lots of embryos stuck in four different countries. How mortifying. Mm, horrible. Are you intending on using those embryos? We are. Oh. Yeah, we are. We're just going to wait for the right time. This is Isabel's yeah. two now, and um, we're just waiting for the right time. And we're in our late 30s, so we're not getting any younger as well. So we think our body clocks are ticking a little bit ourselves. <laughs> you don't look a day over oh, 25, thanks. just quietly. <laughs> Touching your forehead. <laughs> so you're also moving to Ireland we, um, in two weeks. In two weeks. Well, probably, probably you know, a week or less than that by the time this airs, which is insane. So... You'll have a little Irish baby. We're going to have an Irish baby. She's We're going to be the only gays and black child in the village. And she's going to have an Irish accent and frizzy hair. And Amazing. It's just, um, we thought, why not? And plus, we'll actually be closer to America for when we do our second journey as well. So it's Perfect. we factored that into our move to Ireland. Yep. So, I mean, obviously, you desperately wanted Izzy. And it's been quite a journey to yep. get there. How did you find the adjustment to parenthood? We have been blessed with an easy child. Yeah. Izzy sleeps from seven to seven, seven oh. at night, seven in the morning. Um, she's been doing that since about six months old. It's the adjustment. You start having to think about someone else. You realize mm. how selfish you are as a, as a human, as an individual. And, you know, we're two 
gay men with double incomes, no kids. We had this lifestyle of just whatever we wanted when we wanted it. And um, we see these really nice Mercedes driving around going, oh, we could have had one of them, but now we have a child. <laughs> so, like, and we joke around with Izzy about that all the time. And um, the adjustment, it's been an adjustment, like your work changes and you really have to stop and think. And it slows your life down, which was probably a good thing. It's... Um, it makes you value life a lot more being a parent. And the perspective just completely shifts, I think, yeah, after totally. having a child. And you start having different conversations with people. You start talking about poo and wee and <laughs> nappies and food and things that I used to cringe at people would talk about at work. I'd be like, why are they talking about that? You know, but now it's just the norm. Now you're starting those conversations. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. I'm that one at work. How did you, was it difficult to, because she was born in America, mm-hmm. was there any hiccups bringing her back home to Australia? No, it was really easy. So we left America when Izzy was 10 weeks old. Mm-hmm. Um, then we went to Ireland for Christmas and spent five weeks in Ireland. And then we brought her back to Australia and we just walked straight into the country, no questions asked, and then just applied for a citizenship. And it was really straightforward process. Um some people get lawyers involved to do it. We didn't. We had an American lawyer that did all our American citizenship for Izzy and the egg donor contracts and surrogacy contracts and um, and dealt with all the courts over there, which is a pretty straightforward process. But coming to Australia, we just did it all ourselves and it was really easy. That's good. Mm-hmm. That's perfect. Exactly so what you want. Yeah. So she's now an American citizen, Australian citizen, and we'll apply for her European citizenship next and she's off to Bali tomorrow. She she's, is. <laughs> she's really got a good life, this one. She does. <laughs> yeah, she does have a good life. How did you find the reaction from everyone back in Australia? You know, your family, your friends. Did you, was everyone supportive? Did you get any pushback through the process? 100% supportive. Amazing. Um, we told my mum on Mother's Day. Oh. I think we were about 20 weeks pregnant at that time and she had no idea. She had no idea. She actually turned around and said, I thought you didn't like kids. Um, <laughs> so, thanks, mum. Yeah, thanks, mum. Yeah, great support there. Um, no pushback. Everyone is so welcoming and so nice and and sometimes we feel like we're, we're a little bit extra special. Like we get onto an aeroplane and all the airline hostesses run to us and help us and you see another poor mother with three kids by herself struggling but because there's two gay dads with a baby everyone wants to help it's a nice novelty it's such a nice novelty mm. and we do milk it occasionally <laughs> uh but it, no pushback at all the only thing is the australian government their legislation hasn't caught up with modern ivf technology and that people go overseas to have babies mm. and um the government's just yeah just not up to speed with that sort of stuff yeah. So if we had Izzy in Australia to an Australian surrogate, um, the surrogate would go on her birth certificate as her mother, even though she's not genetically connected. Um, oh. If she was married or had a partner, he, he could go on the birth certificate as well. And then we have to go to family court to get it changed. And Whereas in America, Izzy, um, her parents are parent one, parent two, which is Damien and myself. Isn't that bizarre? Because, you know, particularly if a mother gives birth to a child and chooses not to have the father on the certificate, that's fine. Yeah. But as someone who's being paid to carry your child has to be on there, that seems a bit ridiculous. It is a bit strange. And you can't pay for surrogacy in Australia as well. Um, It's You can reimburse out-of-pocket expenses. It's actually illegal to pay for surrogacy in Australia. So a lot of IVF clinics won't go down that path. Interesting. 
Yeah, I think there's a lot of catching up to do. A lot of catching up to do. We had some friends that recently accessed their superannuation for surrogacy. Oh. Um, and they got it approved. They're doing international surrogacy in Canada and they accessed their superannuation fund. We went to apply but because they had approved it and then other people applied. They actually stopped it and changed the legislation to stop us accessing super to pay for our second journey. Of course they did. Yeah. Why not? Why not? Just change it midway through. That's yeah, exactly. Fine. <laughs> and, and when we challenged the ATO on it, they were like, "Oh, it's it, like well, where's it publicly documented?" And like, "Oh, it's in our internal documents." So uh-huh. we've had to get lawyers involved in things at the moment, trying to get that overturned. Which is a mission in itself. Yeah, it is. You know, going through the challenging the government. Now, when it comes to raising Izzy, yep. Do you think that you guys do anything different to a mother and father combination? Do we do anything different? Um, We probably, we share the duties a lot more than Mm -hmm. what I've historically seen with other family members. The the mum seems to be the one that does all the feeding and nappies and stuff like that. Because it's Damien and I, and we had Izzy for the first 10 weeks by ourselves in a foreign Mm -hmm. country. We just got into this routine of you do 12 hours with her and I'll do 12 hours. And we've just kept this shift and going and this communication with each other and it's, it's no duty is anyone's duty. We, we share it um, 100%. And people get confused because Damien does drop off Sundays. I do drop off at daycare other days. And um, traditionally, you'd see the same mum doing it every day or the same yeah. dad doing it every day. But we just share it as much as we can. Um, we're probably a bit stricter than some other parents as well. I don't know if that's a dad thing because she's got two dads so we're (laughs) overcompensating and we always say to her any first time she brings someone home on a date we'll be like oh it's got two dads to respond to now not just a mum and a dad so um yeah we just I think we just wing it really just like any parent there's no rule book yeah I think that's the biggest misconception though when it comes to same-sex parenting and whether it's two mums or two dads I think people have this false sense of well, things are going to be different for the child, but it's just working with what you've got. Yeah, exactly. Do you feel like she's missing out on anything by not having a mother figure around? No. Um, she she has a lot of females in her life. Yeah. I've had to learn how to do her hair. <laughs> um, it's probably us that are missing out on things more than anything. She doesn't know any different. Of course. Uh, she occasionally comes home going, mummy, mummy, mummy. But I think that's from kids at daycare. She's picked yeah. it up or we're around friends that have kids and they hear their, their kids saying, mummy, mummy, mummy. So she starts going, mummy, 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 just that two-year-old repeating things. Um, when she asks where her mum is, we haven't figured out what we're going to say yet. That was um, going to be my next question. So yep. we call our surrogate tummy mummy. Oh, and we beautiful. call our egg donor egg mummy. So she's going to be fully informed in where she's come from and how she ended up with two dads. So nothing's going to be kept from her at all. Yeah. Do they give you any guidance from the surrogacy's perspective in terms of when that should happen? Not really. Um, the surrogate, she's had a journey before in surrogacy. And, and literally, once they hand over the hospital, the hospital don't even give the child to the surrogate. The surrogate is literally give birth, off they go. Oh, wow. Yeah. Um, which we found really challenging. We wanted the surrogate to be there and yeah. enjoy. And we had to fight the hospital to let the surrogate have access to Izzy and the intensive care unit. Um, they've probably seen the worst case scenarios sure. and things. So they're, they're probably trying to protect us more than anything. And we trusted our surrogate that she wasn't going to walk in there and take the child or anything like that. So, um, yeah, it's, um, it's this, yeah, no rule book really. It's 
here's yeah. your child, off you go. Yeah, yeah. And you'll continue to figure that out as she gets older because yeah. it's a lot to explain to a child. Yeah. You know, I think most of us, Peyton's seven, and I... I mean, we've touched on the sex conversation, but not really. And so to then to explain, well, then there was this involved, you know, that's yeah. quite deep and meaningful for a child. So we've actually created little books, like just photos. So oh. as for each year that she's alive. So we did one to tell everyone that we're having a baby. So we had our trip to, we went to Vegas before we went to San Diego to do our sperm donation and so we, we've made a little book of little journeys so she's going to have little photo books to explain where she's come from what a beautiful idea yeah. I love that see not well you know I, I certainly haven't done that for my child kudos to you so is there anything that you'll do differently going into this next birth process we do anything differently it'll probably be the same mm-hmm. um, we won't use the same surrogate again mm-hmm. she's just had she's pregnant with twins of her own twins at the moment Um, she has a six-year-old as well so we'll we'll be looking for a new surrogate definitely through america again but that's just our personal choice Uh, we don't tell people you must go through america it just worked well for us it's what we wanted um we'll probably be we found the the contract negotiation really challenging with the lawyers the lawyers saying you need to tell your surrogate what she can eat you need to tell your surrogate what she can't eat and we're like that's we're paying this woman to carry a child we trust that she's going to carry it the best that she can and the lawyers are like no you need to tell her what to eat we found that really challenging and and we probably didn't push back on the lawyers as much as we could have and Mm. we just let the lawyers fight it out what they needed to um we'll probably be a bit more relaxed around that and and um actually say no the surrogate she can choose what she eats under the doctor's guidance and all that sort of stuff how do you even monitor that because you're on the other side of the world, you know. She could be hanging out at McDonald's. <laughs> exactly. And the um, the IVF clinic and the surrogacy agency say we're like sniffer dogs. So if we smell tobacco on them, we'll tell you. And oh. we're like, we didn't want our surrogate to feel that she was being watched yeah. and monitored. She's got her own life to live. She's a nurse and has her career. And she just, she was very open and honest with us that she does this money for her kids' education. As education is expensive in America and... She's like, I've got a commodity that I can sell and you need a family. And that's what we really liked about her is she was straight up and honest with us about why she was doing it. Yeah. Which is nice because her heart's in the right place. Obviously, you know, she's thinking of her children, which would make you assume that she's going to be thinking of yours. Yeah, exactly. Which is beautiful. Um, Will there be a third? I think we'll stop at two. Yeah. Yeah, two. (laughs) One Uh, each, even. One each. (laughs) Izzy's got like 15 cousins in Ireland. So there's big family in Ireland. She doesn't need any more siblings. She'll be fine. Two's great. (laughs) Yeah, perfect. Now, you touched on before um, a little bit of advice around looking at you know, making sure that you're doing it in a safe space, particularly for America and Mm. Canada. Would you have any other advice for anyone, whether it's same-sex couples or heterosexuals who are looking at doing surrogacy? Yeah, really do your research. Um, Try not to get overwhelmed by the amount of information out of there, the amount of forums and everyone wants to have their opinion on it. Go with your gut feeling, go with what's right with you. And if you have a partner, really talk about what's important to you. Um, really make sure that you're comfortable with your decisions. Don't rush anything. Yes, it's expensive, but don't rush it. 
sit back, make sure you've got the finances there in place because anything can go wrong. Mm. Um, it's everything with pregnancy. You know, there's no, nothing straightforward. No. As much as we'd like to have this storytale pregnancy book, it doesn't always work that way. Um, really do your research and make sure what's right for you is what you go with. Yep. How did it affect your relationship with Damien? It brought us closer together because yeah. we had to make some really tough decisions um, even before you transplant embryos. And it really made us grow up and go, this is what we really want. Because if, if it was any second questioning, there's no point in going down the journey because yep, it's such an emotional roller coaster. Mm. I think that's what nothing prepares you for is those emotions from one day to the next. And you're, next thing you're Skyping a doctor in America about you know, the health of your child that could potentially arrive at 29 weeks. And so you need that emotional support and that trust in each other and just say, yeah, I'm having a bad day. Let's talk it out sort of thing. Yeah, that's beautiful. I think communication is really key. And it's like you said, if it's not something you really want, you wouldn't put yourself through such a strenuous journey. Do you have any advice for anybody on the outside? So maybe a family member or a friend who's got someone going through surrogacy, how would they support you? Just be there as like a normal friend. Let them tell you where they're up to, what they're doing. I don't mind people asking me questions about surrogacy. I'm just an open book and I'll just talk to anyone. Whereas Damien's a bit different. Um, He's a bit more reserved and he's um, a bit more conscious in what he says to people. And one thing that gets him is people go, so who's the father? Oh, really? In 2019? Who's the father? And we actually did... But we don't know ourselves because we implanted two embryos. Oh. So we implanted one of Damien's and one of mine. So we actually don't know who is he's biologically connected. Um, when we do find out, we'll find out when we go to have our second one and we'll use embryos of whoever's not the biological father. We'll tell Izzy who the biological father is and when she's ready to tell people she can. And um, it, it's like, you know, someone that's pregnant, you don't walk up to him and go, who's the father? <laughs> and And... <laughs> That would be awkward it for everybody involved. It would be so involved. awkward. And, and I think people just do it out of innocence more yeah. than... Because it, it just seems the norm. Um, or people go, oh, my God, she looks like you. Or she looks like yeah, you. And okay. and I don't mind it, it, it so much. Um, but it can be a bit awkward where you're going, yeah, okay, she might look like Eve. It doesn't mean I'm actually her father, <laughs> or her biological father. And so They mix it together <clears throat> in a dish. It's a, it's a combination of the it two of us. Is. <laughs> it is. like that. <laughs> Just to respond with an awkward <laughs> response. That's it. Yeah. So if anyone is going through surrogacy or IVF or any pr- pregnancy concerns, yeah, you're probably curious to know what's going on, but just sit back and let someone share their story with you. They'll tell you if they're comfortable. Yeah, yeah. I think that's amazing advice. I think too often we go down the route of, oh, yeah, what's going on? Is everything okay? And it's it's those innocent questions, mm. right? But particularly if you're on an emotional journey when it's connected to a child, it can be really difficult to want to have to have that discussion when perhaps you're not ready to. Yeah, exactly. You know, people share when they're ready to share. I think that's a good thing to be conscious of. Definitely. Now, one of the things I am a huge advocate for is making sure that you make time for yourself. Yep. And that's that person that you were pre-children, that selfish person who potentially had a Mercedes or Beamer or whatever. Um, And I like to call it the me before mummy, but in your case, obviously, the me before daddy. So what is something that you do now to reconnect with the mark pre-kids? By myself or with Damien? Oh, as well? it can be either. Yeah, or so both. by myself, um, 
I just like to sit back and watch Netflix. Just yes. take oh. myself away and zone out and watch some random crap on Netflix. <laughs> but it's really important to do that. Um, in my career, I used to do a lot of travel and I'd be in hotel rooms and I'd just be working, working, working um, and not focusing on myself. And it just really slowly absorbed and, and I was taking it home. And But so now I've learned just to be present when I'm at home. So when I'm with Izzy, when I'm with Damien, just be present and be there for them. Cause there's no point in me being there, but not actually being there. Um, but when I need that time out, just take the time out, take the dog for a walk, get the Netflix on, sit on the couch, get your popcorn and just chill. <laughs> um, for Damien and I, we still have date night. <clears throat> after all these years, we still have date night. Um, and my mum looks after Izzy, we go to the movies or if she's at daycare, we just take the day off work and just hang out for the day and, and that's what we do with each other. I love that. It's so important to make time for yourself, but also for each other because, you know, it's easy to lose yourself as a parent, but it's easy to kind of let your relationship go by the wayside. It's so easy. When this little person at two, you know, they take up so much of your time. They start screaming. So you go from this little thing that doesn't <laughs> doesn't move to being into everything and screaming at you. She even calls us by our first name now. Oh, stop <laughs> Yeah, so if we don't, she wants something, she'll be like, daddy, daddy. I'll just ignore her and it'll be Papa, Papa, which is Damien. And if we just were busy, she'll go, Damien, Mark, and just start yelling at us. So they um, can't get over how quick kids learn and how much you can start investing so much of yourself into them and you forget about yourself. Yeah. Well, when they're screaming your name. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) That's hilarious. Must be the Puerto Rican in it. Must be. (laughs) Well, thank you so much for joining me today. I really appreciate you being so open and honest and for sharing your journey. I am so excited to see what happens when you guys head over to Ireland. Although, you know, obviously Brisbane's going to miss you. Yeah, Brisbane will always be our home. So because Damien's an Australian citizen, I'm a citizen, we can always come back at any time. And my mum still lives here, so we plan on visiting at least once a year. Perfect. Oh, very excited. I will put all of your details in the show notes so that people can follow along. Any last words? If anyone has any questions around surrogacy or they want a bit of guidance on where to start, feel free to link on Instagram. More than happy to answer questions. Um, The more information that's out there or the more people start talking about it, I think that's when governments are going to start changing. It won't be such a taboo subject. Mm -hmm. All these myths about people just do it, selling their children for money and stuff like that. So if you have any questions or where do you start it's probably the hardest thing is where do you start just shoot me a message and i'll help out where i can oh thank you so much it's such a beautiful thing to open up to people and thank you again for joining my pleasure us. thanks for having me it was honestly such a pleasure to be able to have a chat to mark and get some real insight into their experience around surrogacy i think a lot of people don't have a great understanding as to what it looks like or quite often we make assumptions around what it would look like but it's good to really know just how extensive the process is now a few things that i took away from today's discussion is that surrogacy is a journey not just for same-sex couples, but also for a lot of heterosexual couples. I think we often assume that it's only same-sex couples that go through this journey, but with the amount of fertility issues that are present in our society, this is an option for basically anybody. However, as Mark highlighted, it can be difficult to deal with through Australia, with a lot of restrictions and a lot of processes possibly being outdated, hence why a lot of people have to look for those avenues overseas. 
Mark advises that if you are going through the process, communication is key. And that's not just with each other as a couple, but also with all of the agencies, the surrogates, everybody that you have to deal with through the process. His advice is to make sure that you slow down, take your time and don't rush and to really do your research. It's also important to be selective of when it comes to who you're working with, hence why it's important to make sure you take those key steps. Now, as you heard, my goodness, the process is expensive. So it's something that you need to be conscious of before going into it and ensuring that you safeguard yourself. But it's also important from a judgment perspective. If you know someone going through surrogacy or you see a couple who's gone through this process, be aware that they've gone through quite a journey to get there. And the types of assumptions that unfortunately we do still occasionally hear around same-sex couples having children, know that they've taken a lot to get to that point and they've had to make a lot of sacrifices. I personally don't think it's fair to question somebody's ability to love a child when they've spent potentially $170,000 to get said child. But that's just my two cents. If you would like to follow more of Mark's journey, you can find him and his beautiful partner, Damien, along with their delicious little daughter, Isabel, at The Real Dads of Brisbane. Now, I will put their details in the show notes as well. Now, before we wrap up, I want to give a quick shout out to the beautiful username at Jacinta Journey to 40, who tagged me in her Instagram post where she was taking some time for herself to go for a run, but also listening to the podcast at the same time. She said, I definitely prefer my morning walks over afternoon, but give me Mummy Republic podcasts and time to myself what's not to enjoy. Thank you, girlfriend. I love that you are getting out there and working your butt off, but listening to me at the very same time. If you would like to do the same, you can jump on over to Instagram and tag myself at Mummy Republic in a post or a story and show me what it is that you do to reconnect with the person that you were pre-children or to give back to yourself by using the hashtag TheMeBeforeMummy. But in the meantime, remember to take a breath, Take some time for yourself and know that you're doing a damn good job. Thank you again so much for joining me. I cannot wait to share more stories with you. So if you haven't done so already, make sure that you click on that subscribe button so that you don't miss a thing. Thanks again. Lots of love and I'll see you next week. 